Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. My word, whoa, my word. I want God to help you. I want God uh, to help you so much. Like when I, when I pray for you and when I think about what I ideally want to happen during this time, it's not so much, wow, I feel really loud. Is it, can I, I, nobody wants to hear me this loudly. Okay. Uh, when, when I think about like what I want to, I, I don't care if you um, marvel at the teaching that's about to come your way, and it's pretty marvelous. I, I want Jesus to meet with you. And I want him to help you. That's what I want. And so I'm going to just lead you in, in praying. I, I, and I want you to pray this simple prayer. You don't have to, but I, I highly recommend it. And the prayer is just basically, Jesus, help me with whatever it is, all right? So let me, I'll just feed you a few words, and then you can just re- repeat these words after me. Um, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. G- Spirit of Jesus, help me today. Teach me. Heal me direct me, guide me, provide for me, rescue me, deliver me from everything tormenting me. Save me and rescue me in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I I bless you in the name of Jesus. May God grant you everything you need and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, okay. Fantastic. I want to start today with a very famous proverb from Proverbs 3. I, I, I love this one. I keep coming back to it over and over again. Uh, this is three, Proverbs 3, 5. It says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Sounds so simple, right? Just, just, just uh, trust in God, and and uh, don't depend on your own perspective and understanding. Just seek whatever God wants, and and He'll make it really clear to you. Easy, easy. So, so why then, if it's so easy, like why is it so hard to to live this out, right? Why is it so hard to live this out? And probably because we are obsessed with our own thinking. Nobody thinks more about your thinking than you do, right? Like, we are obsessed about our perspective on situations. We are obsessed on, on our thoughts about what's right or wrong or what to do here or what to do. We are so obsessed and trusting our own thoughts and, and understandings of realities more than anything else. We're, we, have, we, we have a generation who cares more about their thought about what's true than what is true. I, I'm just obsessed with our own understandings. The wisdom of the ages, 
articulated by, by Solomon here in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. And you might insert the word only or primarily or at the top. God's friend Abraham struggles with this in his early years. And by early years, I mean like when he's 95 and younger, right? So he, he, struggles, he struggles with this. So many of, the, of the, the decisions and the pains that Abraham has to deal with could have been easily avoided had he just trusted the Lord, sought his will, and, all, and then did what God directed all the way. Uh, I, think, I think this this bit here with Abraham, God shows Abraham what path to take. He does show him, but thus far in Abraham's life and in his journey, he has been full of slow obediences, half obediences, not, not full obedience. And again, so much pain could, be, could have been avoided if you just trust the Lord and obey. And now that's probably true for all of us, right? Probably true for us. Anyways, if you're new here, or are visiting, we are in a study on Abraham, the life of Abraham, who is God's friend. Abraham, who is considered the father of faith for all who believe. Abraham, who spends his younger years, 95 and less, and, and really 100 and less, learning about this God that he's following and learning that this God can be trusted. Uh, thus far in our study, we've seen that God called him to leave and to go leave his father's family, does he? Well, mostly he still has his nephew Lot around. But he kind of mostly obeyed at this point, but not all the way. Again, there's a big difference between mostly obeyed and all the way obeyed. It seemed probably like a small thing. Yes, I left my father's family other than my nephew. It seems like a small, it's those small compromises. Maybe I should just say before we really get going... God has an excellent why behind his directions that he gives you. I, he's the all-knowing, right? He's the one who knows how your life is going to go, the situations you're going to encounter. He's gonna, he knows what's going to happen. When God gives you direction, it's, he's not being a punk. He's being good. He's, he's giving you such grace with that direction. You don't even know how good that direction is. God's got a perfect why for, for every direction. Anyway, so, so Abraham, he, he goes to the promised land. He, then he goes to Egypt, which we looked at a few weeks ago. There's a famine. He goes down there. And then he basically gets kicked out of Egypt. He makes Pharaoh super mad with, the, with one little word difference. She's my sister instead of she's my wife. You know, just one word. That's it. And uh, it causes some problems there. Well, we... we we saw that story a few weeks ago. Now we're going to pick up today in our study in Genesis chapter 13. And let me just start reading, starting in verse 1 here. It says this, so, so Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev along with his wife and Lot, nephew there, and all that they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages towards Bethel. And they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshipped the Lord again. 
Okay, so quick comment. It's amazing how many of these little Abraham moments have this massive impact on the nation and, and how they come back to these. So you have, uh, in, when the northern kingdom began with Jeroboam, he sets up his capital, as I said before, at Abram's first worship altar place in Shechem. And then he sets up the, the nation's worship site here at Bethel. The golden calf he sets up here in, in this area. Again, they're, they're very much remembering the Abraham story as they're putting things together. A map and a, a, map and a picture of the area. Uh, on the map, I want you to see the green mm, triangle-ish sort of a thing. If you were here a few years ago, you know exactly what that is. That is the Benjamin Plateau, this amazing highland plateau right in the center of the land. And it's pretty much the only north, south, east, west place for the middle of the land. It's the only where you can go east and west and, and north and south. Purple road, north, south, obviously. Uh, blue roads, east and west. So it goes right through the plateau there. Uh, Abraham's on the edge of the plateau in that red circle area. Same, same for the picture and for the map there. Very strategic place. Um, probably AI is the circle on the left of that picture. It could be the one near the bottom, kind of half the lower of the circles there in that picture. But Abram's camped out between Ai and, and Bethel, which would have been that top right circle in, in that area. Uh, I, I also just want to remind you, in the future, when God's people will come into the land, they, they, they have that battle at Jericho down in the Rift Valley, and then they follow that blue road into the land, and the first place they come to is Ai. This is like the first main uh, entrance point into the land back in the, the old, old, the old, old days. And they're coming right here to, to Ai in the same place where Abraham is. All right. Just fun with maps. We're going to keep going. All right. So um, back to the story here. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, the Canaanites and Parasites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us and our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any selection of the land you want, and it's probably easy for you, but I lost it in my Bible here. Conflict, we are relatives, the whole countryside is open. Take your choice of any selection of land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land to the right, then I'll go to the left. Now, this is quite a moment. This is, and, and as far as uh, my understanding uh, of how culture stuff worked back then, this seems a bit backwards. I mean, Abram, Abraham, he's the oldest. He's the, the, the head of this family. He's, he's a, in charge of this crew. And God himself gave all of the land to Abram, to Abraham. But Abraham is giving Lot now the first choice. He's like, Lot, you, you, you can choose 
the best of the land. Now, why does Abraham give Lot the first choice when it, it should be his by right, you know, to choose the, the first, first of the land? Now, I want to answer that question maybe like this. Because Abraham, he makes some mistakes, and I'm, you know, we're seeing those sort of a thing. But Abraham also has something about his heart and his values that, that God really loves. Like, like, there's a reason that Abram and God are friends. There's something there. There's, there's a value system there. And, and I kind of wonder if maybe the reason why God chose Abraham in the beginning, maybe at least one of the reasons is, is because God looks at the heart, and he sees in Abraham a heart that reflects his heart. Now, there's conflict here. We, we could get into this whole, like, well, if he only would have obeyed in the past, I mean, that's not helpful for anybody, right? We could say that about all of us. If I'd only done it right before, I wouldn't be in a, this situation right now. But forgetting that, you, you've got this conflict, and what is Abraham's response? To make peace. His response is to make peace, even at the cost of giving up his rights to the best of the land that God gave him, even at the cost of giving up like just this, this bit for inheritance for his kids, Abraham carries a humility about himself that God loves. And, and he isn't someone who loves conflict. He's a peacemaker. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of of God, meaning that there's something about a peacemaker that reflects what God's family is, is like and what God likes his family. There, there's, there's, no, um, there's no greater peacemaker, right, than Jesus himself, the Son of God. He came and he made peace at a great personal cost. They tortured him. They executed him on a Roman cross. They, they rejected him. He made peace. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker, making peace between us and God. At great personal cost, again, reflecting what Abraham is like in this case. Uh, in a much, Abraham's much smaller cost here, but I will give you the best of the land to make peace. There, there's conflict here. I grew up in a culture where it's about achieving and, and, and acquiring and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but blessed are the peacemakers. Some of you are natural-born peacemakers, and God has instilled in you this treasure value that reflects God's family. Peacemaking. Peacemaking. Blessed are the peacemakers. Such a God-loved attribute. Anyways, so he's sitting here, and he's making peace, and he's offering Lot the best of the, to, to choose. And this is what we see in verse 10. So, no, verse 10, Lot took a long look. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them, the whole of it. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned 
against the Lord. Map, picture, map, picture, picture, map time. Okay, so again, they're up on the plain. Uh, they're up on the hill, uh, up in, in the area, and Lot's looking over the whole of the Jordan Valley. Now, at this point in time in our day, we're post-Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's much more dry in the south here. It's, it's greener in the north, but it's much more dry. Sodom and Gomorrah, we don't know where they're at. Some people, I know that you're all following archaeology stuff now that, that you're part of this church. Uh, there, are, there are sites that they believe are, are Sodom and Gomorrah that they're excavating on the Jordan side of the river, but... Who knows? They're either in the Dead Sea or kind of in that area, just at the, at the north there. So, so, a, so Lot is looking down, and he sees that it's all green. And, and like I said, it says here, he took a long look. That's how he made his decision. He took a long look, and he chose... He chose what looks best for him and for his prosperity and really for the, easy, the easiness of his life. And again, this decision turns out to be disastrous. Disastrous. Again, again, I'm thinking of that verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. He doesn't seek the Lord. Now, Again, this story is full of so much practical, godly wisdom. But I suppose the question I have for you is, how are you making your decisions? How do you make your decisions? How are you making the decisions today? Not worried about what the past was. How are you making your decisions today? Lot makes his decisions pretty much like everyone does. Lot believes in God. Second Peter 2 tells us that God, Lot is a righteous man. He's a godly man. He, he, he cares about God. He, he's, a, he's a worshiper of God. And he's a righteous and godly man. And even godly people and righteous people are prone to making Lot-like decisions. He took a long look. Well-watered, chose for himself all of the Jordan Valley. Humanly speaking, seemed like an easy decision. It's easy. Let me show you the difference. Here's the, here's the picture. Here's the, prediction, uh, the, the two different areas. So you've got the top left. It's kind of the AI area. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's good, fine. The bottom picture is from the Jordan Valley. It's further up where it's, it's greener up right now. It, but it was, it was this way all the way down, apparently, according to the Bible here. Much better. It's not like, the, it's not like awful and, and to, to, to amazing, but it is clearly, clearly the, the much, much better place. And so he just takes a long look. It doesn't, it's not a difficult decision for him in his from his own understandings, huh, which one, hmm, hmm, okay, I'm going to, I don't even need to seek the Lord in this decision-making moment of my life, it's so easy, bright green, not so bright green, huh, done, but man, there is something so amazing about God who invites us to seek the direction from the all-knowing one. That is such a gift. It's someone who, God, you might perceive that God is someone who doesn't want to, to, give, to tell you anything 
No, he wants to direct your paths. He wants to give you the guidance if you seek it. If you seek it, you will find. If you knock, it will, you know, these, these Bible verses keep communicating the same information. God loves to direct his people. I mean, I see people making decisions like this all the time, like looking at the two pictures here, like it's seen all the time. They say they're thinking about what job should I take? This job pays more than this job. I don't need to ask God, right? I just, the higher number, easy, right? And that's, you know, makes sense with, with my eyes, but I don't even need to ask God, really? And then sometimes, maybe a lot of times it works out, praise Jesus, right? But maybe there's something that you don't know. And you, you, in the, the treasure of being able to come and ask God about a decision. And it's, okay, yes, this pays more. But man, the situation's toxic there and it's going to destroy you. Or the backstabbing, it's going to just break you. Or, the, betray, you know, or, or the, the, the ethical realities in that situation, you're going to be pressured over and over again to compromise and you will break. You know, the things that you don't even know, but the all-knowing knows. And so we're invited to seek the Lord. Not only do, you know, the amount of pay seems like the best decision. It's greener. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's that sort of a thing. But, but again, I see, I see people choosing based on money instead of like their soul's reality. Man, I, I, maybe they find themselves in a great place where they're growing and thriving spiritually. And then they move. I mean, I can't tell you how many testimonies I've heard from, from people in this church over the years. They go to somewhere else and there just isn't anything there. And they, they have more money and a dying soul. How are you making your decisions? I mean, maybe when it comes to relationships, people, they, they're like, I want a relationship and this person likes me. So, obvious. They like me greener. Uh, this other, you know, that's, that I want to be married or whatever, and so they like me, so that's, that's how I'm going to make my decision. Whereas God gives directions about believers marrying believers, and he's very clear on that. And like, ah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the person likes me. I want to I be married or whatever, and, and I do. I, I, like, I was praying this morning for our church. Now, okay, this is off note, so I'm sorry in advance. Sorry, Kelly, for everything that flies out of my mouth right now. I was praying for our church, and I was like, God, I would love to see, like, 20 marriages over the next 24 months. It, like, that's 40 people in this church. And then, but Brian, you'll get this reputation of a church where people just come and meet each other. I'm like, I'll take it. I love it. I love it. I want, I love, I, I, I want people to find believers and, and marry. I, I don't care. I don't care. Okay, sorry, Kelly. But coming back to this, I want believers to be marrying believers. In fact, I will not officiate a wedding knowingly between a believer and an unbeliever. Because however much I love marriage, I trust God's wisdom on that more than my desire for everybody. So I won't do it knowingly. I invite you to have that same sort of audacity. To, to, to be trusting the wisdom of God and the direction of God more than the greener looking pastures. Lot goes to Sodom, and it talks about, in, in 2 Peter, his righteous soul being tormented every day as he lives in that evil con, uh, community, in that e evil situation. And maybe you're like, man, Brian, you are a bit extreme. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is what we're called to be, someone who trusts the Lord. 
with all our hearts and not leaning on our own perspectives. Follow Jesus, seeking his will in all he does and all we do, and, and he's going to make our, our path straight. And when he does make our path clear, we take that. We take that. Okay. Oh, I suppose I also want to say that um, following God, making these decisions, takes more than wisdom. For years and years and years, I prayed for wisdom. And then I changed my prayer, and I started praying for wisdom and courage. And then I changed my prayer again. I started praying for wisdom and discernment and courage. But adding that, I, I'm obsessed with like, wanting to hear specifically from God about situations. Wisdom, okay, it's greener. Discernment, God, which path, the greener path or the fine path, do you want me to take now? And so I have this digital journal where I, I try and record everything, recording dreams, and because and, I know God speaks through dreams. Not all the dreams are God dreams, but I am recording them because I don't know in the moment. They all seem weird the second they uh, wake up, you know. So I got record what I can record. I, I pray together with people because I know that my heart wants what my heart wants, and sometimes I'm, I'm prone to interpreting things in my life to point me in the direction that I want to go anyways. And so I want other people speaking into my situations. I've, I've developed this lifelong obsession for trying to hear accurately and more accurately from, from God on, on decision-making situations. I want to be able to follow God well. And I want you to be able to follow God well. And, and I want you to have discerning hearts and brave hearts. I want, I want you to, have, to be so brave when it comes to hearing God saying, ooh, the less green path for me. The less green path Will I trust him? Will I trust him on the path that he's saying, saying for me to take? Yeah. But that's the community that we, we get to be called to be. Uh, people who, who are setting out to, to follow God, to hear from God, to follow him, and then receive the rewards of, of fully obeying God. And there are rewards. What, what happens here? Well, in, in Abraham's story... Starting in, in verse 14, we read this. So Lot goes one way, and it says, After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look, as far as you can see in every direction, north and south and east and west. Okay, pop up the map here. Again, um, geography, joy, and note for anybody who is unconvinced about the joy of maps. This is the place. This plateau is the only place where you're getting north, south, east, and west realities, right? You're, you're, this is where the north, south, and it's in that location. God's calling them in the north, south, east. Just fun with maps. Okay, back to the story. So after Lot had gone, it said, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south and east and west. I'm giving all this land, I'm giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. There he built another altar to the Lord. Four words. Four words that I, I just love. It, it started in verse 14. After... Lot had 
gone. After Lot had gone. Finally, after all these years, Abraham has now, at these four words, arrived at full obedience. He's finally gotten there. He was told to leave his family. Now, finally, he is without the rest of of his family. And you're like, man, it took long enough. And sure, there was a lot of pain and stuff along the way and conflict. And Abraham struggled. but, But now here we are. Now here we are. And what happens? Well, it says, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, After, after Lot had gone, the Lord started speaking. He started speaking again. You have, this, you have this reality of not until after Abraham gets to full obedience does he get clarity on some of the things that God has hinted at or spoken about in the past. He, not only after he gets full obedience, then he gets even more revelation from God about his descendants. So you get full obedience, then promises clarified. Full obedience, then more, uh, more revelation. Full obedience, then clarity on things. Our God is a God who reveals more after full obedience. And, and, and there's people who are like, I want to live in half obedience and be frustrated because I'm not hearing very much from God. Okay? Like, move towards full obedience. Step in that. God, I want to follow you. God's like, they're not even doing what I'm telling them to do. Why am I going to tell them more? They're just going to ignore me more? Full obedience is so significant when it comes to more clarity and and hearing more from God. And and maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I I generally obey God. I generally obey God in lots of ways, but there's a few things that I've, I've just struggled with when it comes to letting go of. Or trusting God with when it comes to my life now or my future. And I I totally get that. Like that that I know I'm human. Like I totally understand that, that is difficult. Full obedience, though, it means trusting God with, with all our hearts, which is really hard to do. Our, our, it's really hard to do. It means not depending on our own understandings, our own perspectives only, our own strategies only. And again, that goes against our hearts all the time. But if you do the full obedience thing, and if you seek God's will in all that you're doing, He will tell you what path to take. He will. And that will be the best path, and you can trust Him with that. I had a dream the night before I um, wrote this message. Actually, I had so many dreams it was, it was one of those nights where I'm like, I don't even know if I can remember having so many dreams in one night. And I got up and I'm sort of typing them down. And like, then there's this dream, and there's this dream. And couldn't type fast enough. And I'm just blazing through all these dreams. And, and I think that several of them have to do with you. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think some of them have to do with the church. But, but I don't know. I haven't, I haven't prayed them all the way through yet. But there was one dream that, that really jumped out at me. And in that dream, I was on this high cliff, right? And, and, and God's there with me, and, and, and I'm looking over the cliff, and God's like, jump. And I'm looking down, there's water down there. And I start assessing the situation in my dream. I'm like, okay, God's saying jump, and I'm looking down at the water, and I'm like, how deep is that down there? 
it looks like it's more than a meter, but not two meters deep. Like, I don't think that's deep enough. That's my first thought. Then I'm looking down there, I'm like, I'm really high up here. I don't even know if someone can live jumping this far down. I mean, there's always that weird story or whatever, but generally speaking, this seems too high. But God's like, jump. Jump. Okay, wait. It's too shallow and it's too high. God's saying jump. Okay. So I do. I jump in the dream. Now, I don't remember jumping in the dream. All I remember is getting out at the, at the bottom and being like, oh, that was easy. That was easy. Uh, but but it's, it's one of those things. I don't have a specific application for that in my, in my life yet, but I'm sure that there could be one, one coming. But, but friends, this is the life we're called to live, and I, I do feel like when I think about my life, I've done that before. Can't I just tick that box? Remember that time I trusted you, God? And I just, I just went for it. And it was crazy. And, and oh, don't I get the achievement badge and get a move on for something else? Do I really have to do that kind of a big faith stretching test again? It's not a test, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for an amazing testimony, another one. But, man, but sometimes I'm like, well, I don't want to be pressed like this, to be pushed like this in my next decision-making process. Can't I just choose the greener grass now? I mean, I'm old-er than I was yesterday or something. Yeah, but man, I, I, I understand if, you, if you're sitting at your life situation and you're like, man, I feel like I've got a decision to make. And I feel like maybe God's really challenging me to trust him. And it doesn't look like greener grass. And it looks really, really challenging. And you're, maybe you're thinking, like, I don't know if I can trust God in this moment. Friends, however it turns out, I only know one way to live. Going for it with Jesus. Maybe it doesn't work out. But I, only, I know for me and my, my, my life... I want to live a life that trusts. Sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I get it wrong. But that's how I want to live. And that's, that's what is part of being a family. Being a family who are set out to encourage each other. To live a life full on following Jesus no matter the challenges. To keep seeking him. To keep trusting him. Not just because we did that once, but, but as we continue to make decisions going forward. Here's the challenges for today. There's three of them. Lucky you. Wow, it's going to be a great week. Just think of that. Three. I encourage you to memorize Psalm, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 from the NLT if you can. Uh, you can. <laughs> from the NLT, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I want that burned into your memory deep. Connected to that, number two, decision-making. What is one of your bigger decisions coming up in the next 12 months? Probably soon. Apply Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Only you know what that is. Thirdly, is there an area in your life where you're struggling with full obedience? I encourage you to dig deep and decide to fully trust Jesus and fully obey him. In fact, I want to lead us through a moment of that right now. Would you, would you close your eyes with me? 
Jesus, I ask for clarity and bravery. I ask for clarity and bravery for everyone here in this room. I encourage you, friends, to recommit to trusting Jesus. Yes, for your salvation, but also for, for whatever's going on. And you might pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I choose to trust you. Whether things go good or whether things are difficult. I choose to trust you. Maybe with your salvation, I choose to give my life to you, Jesus, to believe in you. Forgive me. Help me. Fill me with your spirit. Maybe it's for your, your situation right now, whatever decisions you're making. Jesus, grant me the courage to follow you in this moment all the way. Father, I ask you to fill our church with amazing testimonies of people who have passed the faith tests and emerged with great testimonies of how at first it, it, looked, it looked like a challenging scenario and it was, it was scary to trust you, but then on the other side of it all, it was so glorious and good. Fill our, 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 our church with testimonies that you are safe to be trusted that you are trustworthy in all your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.